Hey guys, this is John. If you've been following this podcast, and specifically this episode 8, the history of the superhero film genre, I want to sincerely say many, many thanks. We're a growing podcast, and I like to believe that our best days are ahead of us. Originally, this part 3 was supposed to be the finale of the episode, but time and inexplicable technical issues make fools of us all. Me, in particular, in this case. Justin and I recorded this part in two different sessions, and unfortunately, the latter session, a majority of this episode, was lost and appears to be unrecoverable. So instead, this three-parter will be stretched to a four-parter. The following is a continuation of the discussion, but, like I said, not the conclusion. Part 4 will be coming next week as soon as possible. Thanks for listening, and as always, I hope you enjoy. Hello world, this is John Flores here again. For the Flores and Friends podcast, this is part three. I'm still joined by Justin Hartwell, and we are finishing our discussion on the history and the future of the superhero film genre. All right. Are you ready? Yeah, ready to love me. All right, let's fucking knock this out the park, <laughs> and then not talk to each other for like three months. <laughs> Yeah, that, 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 that's totally fair. I'm okay with that. Okay. The age that we're moving on to next is I've called the Marvel Age. It starts in 2013 and to 2016. This is the last age that we're in. We're currently in this age. And I really think that literally, literally Marvel has dominated. That's why I've named it after this because there's – Let's see. 15 entries in this age, and three of them are DC, and they're all pretty terrible. So that's why I've called it the Marvel Age, because Marvel literally has dominated this this time. It starts off with Iron Man 3. Yeah. It's not a bad film, but we have to address the main issue with this film, the Mandarin. I remember calling you after I saw this film and talking about, holy shit. I cannot believe they did that with the Mandarin, dude. That'd take some fucking balls. Yeah, well, again, it's one of those things where the Mandarin was kind of one of those, granted, he was one of the most original Iron Man villains. Yes. You know, of course, I did some research into the Mandarin because I didn't really know this character until this movie. Yeah. And I kind of see why they strayed away from him because he was very, again, they're trying to bring it into modern day time. Yeah. My problem with the film isn't what they did with the Mandarin per se. Like, I understood what they did, and I was like, okay, sure. But it's the fact that the marketing for this film and every single trailer leading up to this film, they really sold Ben Kingsley as the Mandarin. They were like, he's the bad guy and all this shit. And then they, spoiler alert, it was all a ruse. Like, that's not really the Mandarin. There really is no Mandarin. Like you said, the Mandarin is one of... Iron Man's original villains. He's one of his, like, I think it's one of his arch nemeses. And it's just imagine if they, I just was thinking, like, what if they took, like, Green Goblin in the Spider-Man universe and made him a complete joke? And I'm like, 
if I was an Iron Man fan, if I was a real hardcore Iron Man fan, Iron Man 3 would have pissed me the fuck off. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, shit. I just double-checked, and Mandarin's first appearance was in Tales of Suspense. Not even the Iron Man comic. Yeah. Tales of Suspense in the 60s. Yeah. Before Iron Man got his own run, I think he was in Tales of Suspense, and the Mandarin was one of his first villains, right? Yep. It's just, it took balls. I, I was just like, wow, I, I can't believe they did that. I still can't believe they did that. And the way they went with it was very odd. Yeah. This is definitely one of, like, the Marvel, like, I don't know how you feel about it, but Marvel Studios-wise, you know, the big one. I feel like this was kind of, like, their low point. I really think that the Iron Man franchise is overrated. Like, the first one's really good, the second one's kind of, uh, and this one, I'm like, whoa, this one was kind of controversial at best. And, yeah, I would say that this was probably one of their few missteps. Yeah. Um, and, but it still did fairly well. Yeah. And this is a misstep for them yeah. is a good sign that, okay, they're still on the right path. Yeah, and it's only bad compared to the rest of their work. Like, if you just watched Iron Man 3 without any of the other MCU films, you would be like, okay, this isn't that bad. But it's just like, wow, it's, oh gosh. And I really don't like how Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper Potts, like, saves the day. I'm like, this is... I don't know, man. This is this is it's a kind of wonky ass film, man. Again, I feel like they stretched themselves a little too much on it. Yeah, they they kind of went for it, and I'm like, oh, I was like, oh yeah, that that didn't really turn out as well as I'd hoped. Okay, moving yeah. on. Next is oh god, oh man, oh oh man. Next is Man of Steel. <laughs> there are people who like this film. There are good things about this film, but I can tell you. My best friend Ben can vouch for this. We saw it together because we were really excited because all the trailers looked really good. It was co-produced by Christopher Nolan. (sighs) All I can say is when I walked out of that film, all I could say was, man, that film was incredibly dumb. And that's all I was saying for like the next 30 minutes after. Like, wow, that film was incredibly dumb. It is such a dumb film. Oh, my God, that film was bad. Fuck. I mean, well... Let's be honest, it, it was better than Superman Returns. As far as action, but I don't know. Like, I think I said this at the time, both films are bad, but for very different reasons. True. Yeah, it's... Yeah, 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 we, we can definitely go with that. I mean, what do you have to say about it? The only reason why I would say Man of Steel was good is because it had the better action. Yeah. It had, you know, the better effects. You know, better storyline. They brought Zod back from yeah. What was it? Superman, Superman two. Two. Yeah. yeah. From and what was that back in nineteen eighty? Yeah, nineteen eighty. So that was a bold step. Which yeah. I get them kudos for bringing him back. Yeah, and the dude who played Zod, Michael Shannon, was he was probably the best part of the film. Oh yeah, he he was a phenomenal Zod. Yeah. One thing that I. I saw in a couple of reviews about Superman and everything, which I completely agree with, is that Superman isn't supposed to be this dark, gritty character. Exactly. You know, and DC keeps following, you know, the footsteps of the Dark Knight trilogy. Yes. And just slapping it on everything. That's not how this works. It goes back to that reboot issue that I had with Amazing Spider-Man. It's like, they just think that they make it... 
dark and gritty, that it'll be successful like Chris Nolan's films, and that's not, you're right, that's not how that works. Just for example, like, look at the Batman animated series, and then look at the Superman animated series. Exactly. From the 90s. Batman is dark colors, gritty, yeah. not that much humor, and it's good. And then you have Superman, which is bright and vibrant, and it's full of hope, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's good action, and it's inspiring. There you go, like, if anyone needs any kind of reference yeah. for Superman and or Batman, as far as characters, storyline, what tone, have you, yeah. animated series from the 90s, because those are the best things that we've had. Like, literally, Superman gets his power from our son. That is the character yeah. right there. How do you mess that up? Uh, How do you mess up Superman? I don't know. Where the film absolutely lost me is when Superman and Zod fight through all of Metropolis and destroy Metropolis. It's like at the end where Superman kills Zod, spoiler alert. I probably should say spoiler alert before I spoil, but whatever. (laughs) Anyways. Anyway, when Zod's threatening to kill that one family with his heat vision, Superman breaks his neck. One, Superman could have easily just flown him out of there and out of the building, but whatever. But he kills him because he's like, no, you can't kill these people. I'm like, Superman! You just did a punching match with this dude throughout the entire city and probably killed a thousand times more people than that. What the fuck is your problem? Superman wouldn't do that. What the fuck? To be fair, that actually happens a lot. In all the Superman, you know, cartoon series, and Superman's fights always go through buildings. And, like, that was the biggest thing. Like, his heads would send people flying and it would go like one, two, three, four buildings smack into another one and he would dive in and that's what I liked about it that they held true to that but yeah like the laser in the one family was kind of kind of odd now I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of it yeah we let's be clear for the record neither one of us are huge Superman fans I, haven't, I don't think I've ever read a Superman comic I might have read Death and Return of Superman before but that's it I was about to say, the only Superman comic I have on myself is The Death of Superman. Yeah. Like, we're that's not, it. When Doomsday comes out and yeah. kills him. That was one of the first comics I bought because, in my own personal, humble opinion, he's overrated. Alright, next is The Wolverine. I like this film a lot, especially since it was set in Japan and it was really cool. It, it was really good because it went away from the flashy, happy, uh, it seemed happy at least, Wolverine Origins movie. Oh, fuck that movie. God, I hated that movie. And exactly, I feel like they heard what the audiences were saying, yeah, and went back into. But this works because Wolverine is a dark and gritty character. He is. He is naturally a dark and gritty character. Ninety percent of his comics are not for children because they are very violent, yeah, full of language. Because I mean, he's a man that kills people. Yeah, I mean, he has metal claws that come out of his hand. He's not going to tickle you with them. Exactly, and he has. His line, because you know, you have like Hulk Smash, and you have all these other like catchphrases. Uh, catchphrases. And Wolverine is, I'm the best at what I do, and what I do ain't pretty. Because he's just a killer. He's a savage, well, sometimes savage. Well, he's um, a character known for his like tendencies to go berserk. Like he fucking rages and murders people. He's a deadly character. Yes, extreme. He is one of the deadliest characters in all of Marvel. And Hugh Jackman, once again, is iconic as wolverine and it's uh, he's so good i really like the japanese setting i felt like it was a cool change of scenery it had never like a lot of these films don't really take place outside of the u.s 
except for like Thor, which is a whole nother dimension. But like most of the films take place in the U.S. and shit like that. So, man, it's really good. I, I really dug it. A lot of people didn't like it, but I really dug it. I thought it was well done. The giant S- uh, silver camera. Dude, that, that was a little iffy. I didn't know how I felt about that. I didn't know how I felt about them, you know, cutting its claws off. Spoil alert. Let's be honest. If people haven't seen these movies already, then... Yeah, this movie came out three years ago. We, you need to get on the boat. Yeah, exactly. So for those at home that are listening, if you still haven't seen these movies and we're quote-unquote ruined it for you, sorry, not sorry. But anyways, and I kinda, but I did like, at the very end, how they brought Magneto and Professor X back in. Yeah, which, I mean... That's a whole that's a whole plot hole right there how they got Professor X especially since he died in X-Men Last Stand but they had like some kind of post credit scene that kind of explained it in X-Men Last Stand but yeah we're not going to deal with that cuz that's a it's not that important. Okay. Next is Kick-Ass 2. I liked Kick-Ass 2. I thought it was pretty dope. Dude, okay, I'm not going to lie. When I cuz I cause this was running on HBO for like a month or something in my old apartment. Okay. So, I was just flipping channels, and I caught, like, the tail end of it, like, the last, like, ten minutes. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty dope. And then it showed the very end scene with him, like, doing, like, the one-arm pull-ups or whatever, and I saw, I was like, holy shit, this dude got jacked for this movie. Yeah, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Holy shit, dude, dude went all out, because in the other, because in the first one, he was tiny. Yeah, he was. And then you see him in this film, and... Um, again, sorry for the language, but damn, he got huge. And then I finally saw the whole movie. Yeah. And it was good because the Kick-Ass series is, you know, not exactly kid-friendly. Yeah. And I like that that's where they went with it. Now, granted, I felt it was kind of a little too over the top. Yeah. With, like, the, you know, the multiple heroes and villains. Yeah, yeah. Everything going way out of hand. Yeah, I barely, I barely remember the film, but I remember I liked it a lot. But I, the thing I love about this series is that it's not really meant to be taken seriously. Like, it's just supposed to be fun. As long as you have fun in these films, that's the point here. Yeah, as long as you understand that this is a ridiculous hero film and yeah. it's just super violent, you're good. And yeah. I love, 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 love um, the girl that plays Hit Girl. Yeah, Chloe Grace Moretz. I love her absolutely 200 percent adore that girl she nailed the hit girl part and she's and she's badass yeah she is all right next up next up is a pretty unpopular entry i don't know why thor the dark world i thought thor the dark world was really good it was good like again they took everything off planet yeah and they kind of dove into like part of the history of asgard yeah and- which i like Dove into like the creatures and the other world, and and I love the Easter egg of bringing in the the uh, the Cronin. That's what it was. Yeah, the big stone dude from the beginning fight scene. I like that because those type of creatures were some of the first ever specific Thor villains. Yes, when I saw it in the film, that's a cool throwback. I dig it, and. Yeah, and then it's also, you know, still setting the stage for Infinity Wars with the Aether, yeah. and I, I, don't, I don't know how I felt about the Doctor going crazy. Hell, yeah, film. yeah, Doctor uh, Selvig, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, it was played up for laughs. I think that was, it was just a, it was supposed to be a goof, you know. Uh, okay. But I really liked it. I don't really know what they're going to do with it, especially the ending, uh, spoiler alert, with Loki kind of playing as Odin. I don't, I don't know where they're going to go with that, but... 
I just thought it was really good, like, especially the last fight scene where they're, like, fighting throughout dimensions and all across London and all that shit. I, it's just really good, like, I, I was like, if you like, if you like the first Thor, I don't know why you wouldn't like this. Thor, outside of the Avengers, like, his own franchise gets shit on a lot, and I'm like, why? It's so good. I don't know. Again, I think it just kind of strays away from what we're used to from, like, Avengers and everything. Yeah. That, that's know. why yeah. not a lot of people enjoyed it, I guess. I don't know. This next one is kind of the opposite reaction. Captain America Winter Soldier, a lot of people like this film. Oh, yeah. I think this one went really well because it, it kind of had, like, a, a deeper touch to it, I guess. Yeah. Sounds weird saying that loud, so I'm going to rephrase. <laughs> um... There's more sentiment to it. Yeah, and it's not a conventional superhero film. It's more like a spy thriller. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, who's the guy taking out people? Yeah. How has he been at this for so long? And and I like that it was like a Captain America Black Widow film. Yeah, it was like a buddy cop film, yeah. And I I love that because I love Scarlett Johansson as an actress through and through. And she's doing a phenomenal job as playing uh, Black Widow. Like, I remember watching the first Captain America where Bucky dies, quote unquote. And I was like, oh, shit, I wonder if they're going to make him Winter Soldier. And then they were like, Winter Soldier. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. It's really good. I, I can't say enough good things about it. Like, they took, like, Cap, like we said, Captain America First Avenger was really good. And they took this. They took that and brought it to a whole nother level. It's just so fucking good. Oh, and then they had the introduction of Falcon, of course. Oh, yeah. How can we forget? Yeah, Falcon, my boy, Anthony Mackie. They introduced Falcon. They did a great job introducing him. Yeah. And this also had that elevator fight scene. Oh, yeah, definitely. Which was so badass. Yeah, the action in this film is so like the that scene, the bridge scene, the where they're fighting at the end. It's God, it's so, it's so enjoyable. And this is where Marvel Studios really like fell into their stride. Like this is this is definitely the start of a trend with them. Like you you notice like okay they're taking they already went to a new level and now they're going to another level. I would definitely say, you know, like, Iron Man 3 and Thor 2 kind of, like, were kind of, like, sluggish, like, fell into, like, a slight rut. Yeah. But comparatively to other superhero films, they're still really good. Yeah. It's just comparative to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, if those are the low points, then we're we're okay. We're, we're perfectly fine. Okay, let's move on to a film a lot of people didn't like. I liked it, and I'll tell you why. The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And which is surprising because you hated the first one. There's two reasons why I love this film. The one, cosmetically, the costume is more faithful. I think it's the best Spider-Man costume we've had so far. I felt like it was very authentic. It's back to like this bright blue, dark red, big eyes. It's it's really well done. Yeah. And the other reason, the film is about two and a half, two and a half hours long. It's kind of silly. It's like uh, it's, they really mishandled the Rhino. But the film is saved. I mean this a hundred percent. The film is redeemed with the death of Gwen Stacy. Like, the like Green Goblin is ridiculous in this film, but the death of Gwen Stacy it was so perfect. I I didn't. I, I don't think I've ever admitted this. I got choked up. I was like, when you see her head hit the ground, and. He comes down to look at her and expects her, and he's, like, begging for her to be alive. I got choked up, man. I was – it was so well done. I don't even give a fuck about the rest of the film because it was, oh, it was so brilliant. It was so well done, man. 
I'm pretty sure I can speak for everyone who has seen that movie. That hit, when Gwen Stacy hits the yeah. ground, I felt that. Like, it hit me. Yeah. Like, I had that sharp intake of, oh, what? Like, and I'm pretty sure, even if you saw it coming from a mile away, yeah. if that part didn't shock you for a second, like, yeah. if that didn't, like, hit you, like, right in the chest, yeah. there's something wrong with you, because that, that was... I was so happy they went through with it because it was so good, man. It was so faithful. They they nailed it. They fucking nailed it, dude. And it's unfortunate that movie was like enough for me to want more of this Spider-Man. But unfortunately, as it turns out, Sony abandoned – like they were going to do a Sinister Six film. This timeline, they abandoned it. And, and as everyone is aware, Spider-Man is brought into the MCU. But I, a lot of people didn't like this film. I didn't like most of it, but the one part saved it for me. So I, was about to, I, I kinda like what they did with what was it, Shocker? Electro. Electro. Yeah. I kinda like what they did with him and they put like a new age spin on it. Yeah. Because, you know, the original costume's a little ridiculous. Yeah, you know? oh yeah. His his look was good, but I I don't know. The the film is it's all over the place. They try to do too much in one film. And then I didn't like Rhino. I hated what they did with Rhino. Oh yeah, it was it was very wasted. But they were trying to build towards something else, and it. it yeah, but but even for like the small part that they had. Yeah. I hated the Rhino mech suit. Like, why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? Why? Like, Rhino is so easy. Mutated person in a Rhino suit, and he's super. Super strong, and he has like these adamantium horns on the suit, and it's like permanently bonded to his body. Like explaining all that and developing all that would have taken too much time. So they were like, "Oh, just give him a fucking mech suit." I'm like, and people are like, "Oh, okay, cool." But like, uh, uh, it's. I felt like it would have been awesome to see just like big footstep and the fist clutch, and then you see like like the traditional rhino outfit. It would have been nice, and then you see him like snort and start charging and like each step is a crater like that would have been dope okay moving on to x-men days of futures past which is arguably i would say see i, I don't know i like x-men i like x-men 2 but i would i really liked x-men days of futures past it might be the best best one so far oh absolutely i i, I completely agree with that the union of the old with Patrick Stewart and McKellen, you know, all that, and the new yep. James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender. It it was so it's so good. Brian okay, Brian Singer comes back to direct this, and he really does nail X Men like really well. And Days of Futures Past is so good. It's very it's not hundred percent faithful to the source material, but it is faithful enough. The return of cast, the blending of the cast, the storyline was really good. Yeah. I love that they got, um, uh, what's his name? The guy from Game of Thrones. Oh, Peter Dinklage. Yes. Love that they got him for the film, because yeah. he's a phenomenal actor. Yeah. I love how they, I know you're going to agree with me here. I love how they basically, spoiler alert, wiped clean. Yes. The X, 1, 2, and 3 movies. Yeah, they, they got rid of that uh, timeline. And, oh, and I forgot to mention this in uh, the Wolverine movie, the one set in Japan, 
my heart, I don't know about you, but my heart always breaks whenever I see Jean Grey. Yeah. And like, at the end of this film, I saw the red hair. Everyone who was with me to see this film can tell you. I was saying like, no, please, you cannot do this again. Yeah. And she turned around, and I was just sitting there, oh, no, the feels, I can't do this again. I can't do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know if I have it that bad as you, but I get where you're coming from. But and I, I honestly think the best part of the film was Quicksilver. I thought he was hilarious. His scenes were all really good. It, it was a small amount of time that he was in there. Mm-hmm. They nailed the speedster thing. Oh yeah, the whole slow mo bit. His humor was very on point. You know, bracing uh, Fassbender's neck. You know, to prevent him from whiplash. Yeah. They did all the things right with that film. Yeah. I mean, we could probably spend 20, 30 minutes on that one film. But moving on is another great Marvel Cinematic Universe film, Guardians of the Galaxy. It's, oh my God. Gar- like, I'm telling you, dude, for months, for months, I was like, no. Like, people saw Rocket and people saw Groot and people saw this film and were like, I don't know about that. And I was like, no, no, you got to get you got to give it faith, man. I'm telling you, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. I've never read a Guardians of the Galaxy comic, but I was like, James Gunn has writ- wrote and directed. It's going to be great, man. I'm telling you. And it was so good. Drax was a little different, but I, but I liked him. I was, I'm still not sure how I feel about him being as literal because he's not a very smart character. Yeah. I will give. The, I will say that he is not a very smart character. He's very Hulk-ish. Yes. And the fact that he's very like simple-minded, but the whole literal thing was was a good touch. Like that that was a good little play on him. I don't like how he was like a father with a family, and they all got murdered, and that's why he's out there because that's not who he is. But regardless, that's a whole another discussion. But no, Peter Quill was excellently executed. Yeah. Of course, Groot and Rocket were the best parts of the a, film. Amazing team together, as they should be. Ronan, I was very iffy on because Ronan isn't technically a bad guy in the Marvel comics. He's not technically a bad guy. You have the Kree and the Scroll, which are the two largest warring factions in the universe. Yeah, and he's just part of that war. I feel like with Ronan, they needed a bad guy. They needed, like, a singular bad guy. And so they plucked him and were like, okay, we need to make him really bad. So I felt like it was a necessary evil. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and Which is why I'm kind of giving him a little slack. But yeah, I, I still feel like they, they could have done more with Ronan. Yeah, he's had a couple fight scenes because he's one of the heaviest hitters, you know, in the universe as far as characters watch. Speaking of heavy hitters, we're finally introduced to the main overall universe bad guy, Thanos, which I'm so excited for what they do with him. I'm a little worried, but I'm very, very excited because Marvel has yet to let me down so far. Yeah. Outside of the Hulk movies, but that's a different story. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued. And and then we also saw one of the uh, what are they called now? Infinity Stones? The Infinity Stone, but uh, the Collector. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's one of the... Um, not Immortals? Is it... No, is, is it it's, uh, not an, it's not an Immortal... It's a, um... Oh, God, what are they called? To the Internet! Shit, you go to the Internet, I'm going to my comics. <laughs> elders of the... Elders of the Universe? Elders! Yes, he's one of the Elders. Okay. Which... 
And, you know, there's a bunch of them. You have the collector, then there's... There, at one point, there was a gardener who, was like, just took care of, like, worlds and helped them develop and, you know, make sure there was plant life and animals and so on and so, so forth. But, no, he was... Like, that's what I was very happy that they showed him. Granted, not in as true a form as they could have. Yeah. But they kept it realistic with, you know, what they had. And that's what, and I, and I was a very big fan of that. And we need to give a special shout out to the soundtrack of this film. The Awesome oh, Mix Volume absolutely. 1 was so good. I mean, the, the 70s probably haven't had this big of a hit of, like, music sales. Yeah. It's all this movie. Yeah, for real. Okay, uh, moving on. Next up, Avengers 2, Age of Ultron. I liked this film a lot. It was flawed. Like, it wasn't as good as the first Avengers. There were a lot of spinning plates. There was a lot in this film. But at the same time, it was like, I don't know how they could have done it better. You know what I'm saying? They did have a lot going on in the film. Yes. But they kept it really, like, locked in. Yeah. The only thing, the only, my biggest grievance with this film. Yeah. Is actually Ultron. Yeah. And the reason why is, of course, in this, in this film, they, the AI Ultron is based, uh, partially off of Iron Man. Yeah. Which, you know, gives reason why, you know, equips and this and that, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. But you you don't ever feel really, like, intimidated by him, like you did by Bane and the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. In the comics, Ultron is one of the biggest threats yeah. to the world. That's why it's called the Age of Ultron, because in the comics, like, it was a time where it was like, well, fuck, we're screwed. And this one, it was like, oh, Ultron showed up. Oh, now Ultron's been defeated. Oh, okay, that was that was pretty quick. <laughs> well, I mean, Ultra like Ultron took a while to get into his ways of being able to defeat the Avengers. Yeah, I mean, Ultron is basically the Amazo for the Marvel Universe, and the Amazo is DC. Yeah, this super adapting android that, to a point, becomes a god more or less, and literally no one can touch him. Yeah, like. He, he can't be beaten. This is who Ultron is. Yeah. Like, uh, whenever Ultron works, like, whenever Ultron gets mentioned, people are on high alert. Just mentioned. Not even if he's actually there. I really liked James Spader as Ultron. I thought he did, he did the best he could. I thought I really, I love James Spader, but I feel like we're going to get bogged down on this one, but we need to get bogged down on it. It's got a lot going on. It introduces the Vision. It introduces Scarlet, which introduces Quicksilver, which was not nearly as good as Days of Futures Past, but but it, it's also really good. Like, I really enjoyed it. Like, I forgive its deficits because its benefits. It's like, do you know how hard it is to make a film like this? I was like, I kind of, like, appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. Great. It was a phenomenal film. It did really well. Yeah. You know, the return of characters was great. The introduction of Cook, Silver, and Scarlet Witch were perfect. Oh, uh, um, real quick. How did you feel about the Banner-Natasha love story? Inter- it's an interesting take. and It kind of grounds the Hulk a little bit more instead of just being, you know, the random, of course, just being the Hulk. 
Yeah. So it, it, I like that it kind of like grounded him, and we don't have a Betty to work with, so this yeah. is the best that we can do. Yeah, I'm okay with it. People just said it was it was out of left field, but I was like, if you watch the first Avengers, you notice there's some kind of attraction there. I, I, I liked it. I felt like it was it was natural. It felt well developed. Yeah, exactly. Okay, real quick entry, Ant-Man. I loved Ant-Man. I thought it was really good. It wasn't like huge, ginormous film where Ant-Man saved the universe. No, it was just Ant-Man... Having an adventurous Ant-Man, I really, I dug it. I loved Paul Rudd. I loved Evangeline Lilly in it. I, and Michael Douglas. I thought it was really good. It was. I like, and I don't like how they skipped the original Ant-Man and went right to the... Scott Lang. Yeah. Well, yeah, they skipped Hank Pym and they went straight to Scott Lang. I kind of like it, and I kind of don't. I'm still on the fence about it. You know, they did a killer job with everyone that they did, but... Of course, you know, the whole fight scene on the train set, that all was hilarious. Oh, yeah. A little backstory. Edgar Wright, who directed Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, At World's End, Scott Pilgrim versus... Holy shit, we completely skipped Scott Pilgrim. Oh, well, I don't care. (laughs) Scott Pilgrim was good. That's all you need to know about it. Uh, It's actually really good. (laughs) That's that's a literal, like, comic book to movie adaptation because they have, like, all, like, the flashing words and everything, so... It was very enjoyable. I highly recommend it. Michael Sarah is probably the only bad thing about that film, but whatever. So, so Edgar Wright had been trying to get an Ant-Man movie made for years. He tried to get this film made, even before Iron Man. Oh, wow. And then at the last minute, before the film was set to uh, start shooting, he was fired. Because the, the rumor is Edgar Wright wanted to make like a very self-contained Ant-Man movie, but... Marvel wanted him to be more inclusive to the MCU, and that led to a fight, and he walked away. And I really wish he would have directed it, because I really I felt like he would have been great, a great director. He 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 co-wrote it, but it would have been nice. It still turned out really well, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely! It was such a fun watch. It's such a fun watch. Okay, moving on. Next up is, unfortunately, Fantastic Four. Oh. I know. <sighs> what a bad film. Like, I really think that it's, it had some, like the first 30 minutes of this film is really good. And then it just, like, okay, so all I'll say about this film, because there are a lot of things wrong with this film, but I remember reading about the reviews and people here reading some really bad reviews going into it. Like, it's really awful. It's really awful. I was like, Oh, man, um, this is disappointing. So I went and go see the film, and for the first 30 minutes, I'm like, wow, this is really cool. What, what were they talking about? There's no way this film could tank hard. I was like, I don't know what those critics were talking about. And then they get their powers, and then the film tanks really fucking hard, dude. Like, oh, my God. Very rarely do you, do you see a film start off so well out the gate and then just fall so hard on his face, man. Like, like there's just no words. I know, it's... Oh, it had it's such so... potential and just... I remember... <laughs> I remember... <laughs> we joked that I saw a copy of uh, the movie on Blu-ray or DVD. And I, said, I think I sent you a snap of it. And I was like, they have some balls to charge full price for this film. They should be paying us to watch this film. Fuck. They should be paying the stores to take it off the shelf. Yeah, they should burn it to the ground and, and pretend like 
that film never fucking happened. Jesus. That is the E.T. The E.T. Atari game for, like, movie. I couldn't have said it better myself. That's very accurate. It's it's so just no. Okay. Because I think it got, it got, what, a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, I feel like the first half of that film probably deserved a 70 or 65%, and then the rest of that film deserved that 9%. It was so bad. It was rough. Can we just say... How hard is I know we we talked about this, but can we just say how hard is it to make a good Doctor Doom? Dude, I I don't know. I, it's I don't uh, it can't be know. that hard. It cannot be that hard. I just anyway. I think it's just the whole you know mystic arts part of it is yeah. just what throws people out. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to a really good film that has changed the game: Deadpool. Oh, wow, yeah. We've talked about it throughout this entire episode, both part one and part two. Deadpool is incredible. If you think about the history of this film, like, came out earlier this year. It was trying to get made, I think, early 2007, 2008, and then it fell apart, especially after Wolverine Origins, and then the leaked test footage kind of got it really going again. The quote-unquote leaked footage. Yeah, for real. (laughs) I don't think people realized how good this film was going to be. Like, it's so fucking good, dude. They did everything right with it. Yeah. Uh, the only thing they could have done differently is they could have had the yellow and white text boxes yeah. from some comics. Yeah. That's literally the only thing they could have done differently that still would have been good. Oh, man. It's the humor's accurate. Like, I'm so glad it was R-rated. There's no way you can make a Deadpool film not R-rated. And like, Ryan Reynolds was so good in this film and like it's so quippy and it's so funny and it's so entertaining and it's so it's it, it's kind of a parody of the superhero genre where it's like superhero landing watch he's about to do she's about to do a superhero landing and all that shit it's so good so good it, i mean i we we i rewatched it the other day it just has such a good rewatchability to it yeah dude it's and if Ryan Reynolds is perfect because they modeled Deadpool off of Ryan Reynolds' style of humor. Yeah. And so, of course, Ryan Reynolds was like, I want to play him. Like, can I please? And he was such an advocator for it, trying to get everything done right. Yeah. You know, they had, like, the proper, like, fourth wall break throughout. Yeah. You know, with, you know, the action figure from X-Men Origins Deadpool <laughs> to... You know, don't make the super suit green. Yeah. I'm gonna sell your mouth shut. Oh, I wanna do that. People don't like that. <laughs> you know, all the proper wall breaks, you know, see you know, going up to the mansion, just oh, I only see it's weird, I only see two of you. It's like the company didn't have enough to make or provide more heroes and whatnot. Like it, it all of the right they did it just right. They perfectly executed element. Yeah. I would say that two things. You can tell that Ryan Reynolds is a huge fan of Deadpool. Like, you can tell he's in love with that character. And also, what I think helped this film was people didn't, aren't that familiar with Deadpool, so they didn't know what they were getting into, and it was a refreshing entry into the superhero genre. People were like, oh, they can be really good and extremely funny, and, you know, just Fun. It's just a fun film. It, it's a very adult fun film. Yes. 
Kids should not be in the movie theater watching this movie. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And if you're one of the parents that has said, I can't believe they made this because I want I took my son to see it and we had to leave. Like, I'm sorry. It's rated R for a reason. Do your research. For real. Okay. All right. We're about to talk Batman versus Superman. Are you ready for this? Yep. Right on, right on your cue, man. Okay, so the next film up is... Okay, so we finally reached 2016, the year we're currently in. And the next film we're set to discuss is, at this point, an extremely infamous film among comic book nerds, to say the least. But even the mass pop culture now, and that is... Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. It's a movie, I swear. I know. I remember. Okay, so let me give a little background. This film was first announced, I think, was it Comic Con 20, 2013? somewhere around there? I think. Yeah. Yeah, it was way back. Yeah. Well, so this film started shooting in twenty fourteen. Just keep that in mind. It was shot in 2014. I think it was done shooting. They were done principal photography in, I think, late 2014. Originally, this film was scheduled to come out in 2015. But I think they said with Star Wars and, you know, Avengers 2 and Ant-Man and just a whole bunch of other different factors, they delayed it to 2016 in March. There's a lot of rumors about why they did that also. They thought that the film was, like, really not really well done, so they wanted some more time to hash out all the kinks. And unfortunately, given any amount of time, they probably wouldn't have been able to hash out all the kinks in this fucking film. So yeah, it was severely delayed. I don't know even where know where to begin with this one, man. So you, you can, I mean, if you're willing to just take a first stab, you can go right ahead. I mean, this is kind of like, I wouldn't, so this is kind of that realm of movies of, like, Fantastic like oh yeah the, or at least a reboot of Fantastic Four where it's there's a new bar set for the new age of movies yes and the Fantastic Four has now created a category of you know they're so bad yeah. it, it's it's just hard to watch oh, and yeah. this is like this I wouldn't say it's in that category but it's like right on the rim of it I'd say this is a tier above Fantastic Four as far as depths go. Like, okay, so let's talk about some a little bit more of the history. The the first trailer I saw, I remember talking to you about it. I think it came out in 2015. It came out last year, I think for Comic-Con. And it looked really, really good. Like, I was like, holy shit, this looks awesome. But then I remembered Man of Steel had a great trailer. And I, I we already talked about how fucking awful that movie was and then i was like you know what maybe this film won't be so bad and then i remember there was another trailer where they showed wonder woman they showed doomsday they literally showed the entire film like there was the only thing they left out is the ending which we'll talk about in a little bit i'll throw a spoiler spoiler alert before that but i was like oh my god they've given us almost everything like that's one thing we could talk about this film literally except for the ending there was no reveals like everything had been shown for the most part but so the only thing that didn't really that was never truly revealed was you know the little easter egg of showing all the heroes oh yeah the justice league the metahumans yeah the metahumans is what they're calling it yeah because Um, you know 
Yeah, why that, that's not? Like the only thing they didn't show. Everything else was pretty much laid out. Okay, I also remember when I first saw this film, I remember as soon as I got home, I think I called you almost immediately. And th- that conversation I had with you about this film was kind of the the inspiration to do this three-part episode here because we literally took this movie to task for like two hours. We talked on the phone for two hours about how bad this film was. We probably spent a good 10, 15 minutes on what was good about the movie. Yeah, okay, let's let's go over what we liked about it because there was okay. not a lot, but what did you like about it? So first off, I like Ben Affleck as Batman. I feel like that was a very solid choice. And for those who weren't aware, a lot of people thought that he was going to sink the film, but he actually was the best part of the film. Exactly. I mean, when I first heard Ben Affleck as Batman, I was very skeptical. Because I was like, Ben Affleck? And I kept thinking of all the other movies he's done. I I don't know if that's going to work, but then the more I saw the trailers and the more I, like, really thought about it, I was like, okay, this actually, you know, has some ground. Like, this, this could actually really work. And he... And he nailed it. Like, I was very happy with it. Yeah, he's had a second career, like, boost. Like, ever since he did, like, he directed Gone Baby Gone, and then he did The Town, and then he did Argo, which he won, I think, won Best Picture or Best Director. I can't recall off the top of my head. He's legitimized himself. Like, when people heard that Ben Affleck, they were calling him Batfleck at the time. When they heard that he was cast, people were worried about, like, Daredevil again and shit like that. But, honestly, I had problems with Batman in this film. But he was the best part of the film. Him and, of course, Wonder Woman. I loved Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah. She she nailed that role. And some people worry that she wasn't built enough for the role. Yeah, because like, obviously Wonder Woman is famously an Amazonian. And Amazonian women are known for their stature and physique. And like she's meant to be physically intimidating for a woman, but still gorgeous. Exactly, and I think they played off of her, her like facial features, because yeah, you know, because most people remember her from Fast and the Furious. Was she in two films? I can't remember if she was in one film or two films, but she was in those. And when I realized that that was the same actress, I was like, also at the same time, I was like, oh no! But she was, she was phenomenal in this. Even the little bit that she had, she was incredible. There's one scene where she gets hit, like she gets hit pretty hard from Doomsday. Yeah. And she kind of like crashes into Earth, and then you see her give like a little smirk, and then she dives back into the battle. And yeah. that's Wonder Woman. Like she, she's a warrior. She's a warrior princess. Yeah. And she lives for this kind of stuff. So the entire battle, she's like laughing and like smirking. Yeah. Going for more and more. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's it. Yeah, and Jeremy Irons as Alfred was really good. One of the last good things we can talk about is, despite the shit bag that you had to get go through to get to the point, but seeing Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman on screen, it was really cool seeing the Avengers together. Yeah, it's another level because you have to understand, like Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman are iconic superheroes. People who don't speak English across the world recognize these characters, and it's just so iconic to see these three major historical characters on screen together like they have so much history together and to see that it's finally realized on screen it's like god it took forever to get to this point yeah we probably summed it up hey guys this is john that's going to do it for this part like i said i thought at the top this is a small segment of a larger whole 
that will be concluded coming next week. Stay tuned, and once again, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.